Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Isworth Podcast. My name is Sarge, and joining me today is the one, the only, the fully grown-up G. Say hi, G. Hi, G. Oh, I mean, what's up, everybody? How are you? <laughs> so tonight on the Is For Podcast, we're going to talk Transformers. Not just the movies, but the cartoons. Have you ever watched Transformers, G? I did. Transformers was one of the shows that I watched when I was a kid. My favorite was G.I. Joe. That's the one that, that got me hooked. I liked the toys. I liked the, the cartoon. But, but Transformers was one that I saw a lot. As well, for sure. Hmm. So, did you know that Transformers started as a toy line? Yes. So, Transformers and a couple of those other action figures from back in those days started off as just a toy line, and then they basically retconned the TV show <laughs> almost as a 30-minute commercial every Saturday morning to buy more toys. Yeah, so if I remember right, 1984, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Uh, we're just going to call him Takara, was the person that introduced this uh, series called Diaclone, Diaclon, and uh, Microman, which got, yeah. re that got rebranded into Transformers in the West because no one's ever going to buy a toy called Diaclon or Diaclone. <laughs> 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 so when the when, when the series came out, I remember the comic books and then the series. The comic books always came out before the series did, right? So on Saturday mornings, I would wake up, we would sit down, and it would be like the Hasbro two hours on television where it was like mm -hmm. Garbage Pail Kids, Care Bears, Transformers, like My Little Pony was yeah. all the stuff that came on in a row roughly. So, I don't remember the uh, comic book, though. Oh, yeah, that's, the comic books. Yeah, I used to get the comic my, my dad used to go out and get the comic books. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the series, like the television series and the comic books were almost the exact same. Minor changes in, like, mm. the plots of them, but they're roughly about the same, which is what I loved about them. Oh, did not know prior to this, though, Generation 1 and Generation 2 for Transformers. So, I think... Generation one is from 84 to 92 or 93. I don't have my notes. I don't have that my does, notes with either downstairs. That does sound like the right, um, the right years though. Late eighties, early nineties. Uh, that's when, that's when I first started watching them when it was Megatron, who was like the super villain and Optimus Prime was like the superhero. Um, oh yeah. I, I was going to say, um, I didn't have, a ton of the uh, Transformers toys, but the one I did have was Optimus Prime. I, I always liked him. Yeah, I had the the toy that was a, a truck that you could fold the arms and the legs and he would turn into, you know, the robot. Good stuff. That was a good toy. <laughs> did not know this, and, and, and I'm going to really blow your mind on this. Generation 2 is from 1993 to 1995. Right, it had five issues of crossover with G.I. Joe, also owned by Hasbro. There you go. Yep. And the story revealed that Transformers reproduce asexually. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was not aware of the 
biological slash mechanical reproduction of transformers. I'm very glad you informed me of that. What what <laughs> it, do they lay eggs? What exactly is happening here? Uh, I I must have missed this. I think this was uh, around ninety three, nine to ninety five was the time I lived in uh, Izmir, Turkey, with my when, when my dad was in the Air Force. Okay, so I I, I may have missed this part because I was like, wait a second. I, mean, I would assume if we're going to talk about asexual reproduction of automobiles, they were just made on an assembly line. That's the best thing I can yeah, think of. Yeah, I guess of. that makes more sense. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was thinking something totally different. I was thinking that maybe like they lifted the hood up on female cars and would pull like engine parts out or, <laughs> all right, never mind. I'm, yeah. I'm way off. I'm way off. So 1996, I, I found my notes, by the way, 1996 to 2000 was Beast Wars. And Beast Machines. I don't remember Beast Machines, but I remember Beast Wars. I, I vaguely remember Beast Wars, but at this point, I was like 12, 13 years old. And this is when I started to transition away from like Saturday morning cartoons to more like late night Saturday night cartoons like Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead and television. <laughs> so yeah. I do remember like the original Transformers run. But yeah, when, once it switched over to Beast Wars, I... I remember being aware of it, but I didn't see a lot of it. So, you know, I watched the cartoons. Cartoons were great. I mean, I really love the cartoons. I remember the very first episode that I watched, or the one, at least the one that sticks out closest to my mind, is in the series where they're like the Decepticons are taking the pink Energon cubes and taking them to like a poor teleporter thing, and the Autobots go in and wreck shop. It was just like, that is so cool. Optimus Prime's trailer turned into like a gun platform or something like that. It, it, it was something crazy. Speak, speaking of Optimus Prime, I, I don't think we should go any further before we give Peter Cullen just a round of applause. Oh, for the voice? Oh my god. That voice is iconic. Oh, absolutely. He's <sighs> voiced tons of characters, but every time I hear that voice, I just, it's Optimus Prime. Just, I mean, that's all I can think of is Optimus Prime. So I looked into the movies, right? Because I think movies is what the newer generation will fall back to. When we say Transformers, they'll think about the original movies, not, yeah. not the old school, really crappy graphics, 1980s, 90s, early 2000s shows. So what was Bumblebee? In the cartoons, what was he? He wasn't a Volkswagen bug. Yes, he, he most was, certainly uh, was. Was he? I know he, he was in the movies. Certainly was. Right? Okay, okay. In the movies, Bumblebee was changed from a Volkswagen Beetle to a Chevy Camaro because That's Michael right. Bay, who, who who directed the movie, Michael Bay did not want anybody confusing Bumblebee with Herbie the Love Bug. You know, <laughs> there's certain things that I have to respect about Michael Bay, but in general, I really don't like that guy i just don't why <laughs> his well okay so now this isn't this isn't m for michael bay this isn't t I, for trash michael bay no it's not what I we're know, doing i know i like i watch a ton of movies i i love watching films and michael bay's style of film is kind of in the bottom of the barrel of the kind of movies i like to watch i don't like huge bombastic over the top an explosion every 30 seconds. Like those aren't my kind of movies. I like action movies that have a story and then strong action set pieces. 
but Michael Bay in particular, his films tend to be, I've got this great idea for this huge epic battle and we'll just stick a story in there somewhere. <laughs> where we can fit. So, however, when you're dealing with creating a movie about two story tall robots that can transform into cars, you get a little bit of leeway. I mean, the director of We Were Soldiers. That is a war movie. There are explosions. You have all the freedom in the world to put explosions in there. So if I was going to make a movie about two-story tall robots that could transform into various cars and stuff, I'd have some leeway as well. However. Yeah, and I mean, the cartoon, the toys, everything that the, the major motion pictures are based on stem from that kind of, I mean... When you're playing with your Transformer action figures, you're not tiptoeing around the city. You're not. You're pulling out your, you know, your bazookas and your laser guns and you're blowing stuff up. And I mean, I, I've seen most of the films. I don't think I've seen every single one of them. I haven't seen every single one of them. You have? No, I have not. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but I, I feel like the the movies do capture a lot of the spirit of the the toys and the animated series while kind of updating it for modern audiences and modern it, it does. I mean there's some stuff in the movies that were totally not in not even close to what the series was, but we'll get into that. Uh -huh. So I will tell you that the original Transformer film holds the record for the biggest opening week of a non sequel. With $152.5 million. Do you know now, what the runner-up was? My 2009. Guess. 2009. 2009? 2009. Oh, I was thinking like Star Wars or something. No. No? I don't know. The lead actor's first name is Toby. Spider-Man? Spider-Man, that is correct. Spider-Man okay, with $151.6 million. Now... Why do you think that was? Do you think that was based on the the love of the toys, the nostalgia, or do you think it was on the shoulders of the mighty Megan Fox and Shia LaBeouf? No, I think I think what it was <laughs> is it was everybody that grew up in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s that remember the shows were like, what? I mean, it's like when Star Wars came out, when they redid Star Wars and when they, when they put out all the other stupid new episodes and stuff like that. How mm -hmm. many 50-year-old people went to the movie theaters just to see it because it's what they grew up on? I mean, I guarantee yeah. if they put out another Star Trek movie, all the old-timers, the, the, the movie theaters would smell like Big Game. But anyways, we're getting off track. I, in the film, in the original Transformers film 2009, Michael Bay Transformers, on the wall in the Hoover Dam, it has a name Autobot equals Autonomous Robotic Organism. Now, I didn't know this. And I couldn't find a still for it on, like, through the actual movie. I think it may be something that didn't make the cut. Mm -hmm. But it. a lot of people have said with the uncut versions that they saw, the screening versions that was on there. Now, this is where Michael Bay gets a little, uh, what's the word I want to use? Arrogant? So, Blackout is the helicopter in the, in, in the 2009 Michael Bay Transformers. The registration that is found on the vertical stabilizer of the helicopter is the actual registration designation of Michael Bay's private jet. <laughs> I mean, really, Michael Bay? So, okay. I, I kind of came in hot on Michael Bay, but in his defense, we, we brought up Spider-Man and Sam Raimi, who directed the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, 
He also directed my favorite films, which are the Evil Dead films back in the uh, 80s and early Mm -hmm. 90s. And uh, Sam Raimi is big into that as well. Like, for example, his old car that he used to drive around is in all the Evil Dead films. It's also in all the Spider-Man films, just because that's what he does. So in Michael Bay's defense, I think that's actually kind of a neat thing to kind of throw those little Easter eggs in there that you might not otherwise know. And one more thing. I don't I've heard some some since the films have come out, I've heard that there's been a lot of stuff between Michael Bay and Megan Fox and some negative stuff there. But I would like to say that I think Megan Fox is one of the most underappreciated. Oh, absolutely. Underrespected actresses out there. When she first came on the scene, I think everybody saw her as a pretty face and they just kind of wrote her off as like a bombshell kind of actress. But she's actually got a lot of range. Her role in Jennifer's body is fantastic. Oh, yeah, I agree. And and, and, and I hate that she sort of kind of got lost there. She kind of she got typecasted. She did. And she's kind of reemerged just based on being Machine Gun Kelly's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to see her actually get some, some yeah. serious roles. Again yeah, so, yes, a- yes, she did. In an interview, she did say some crap about Michael Bay that did not get invite get her invited back to the rest of the films. Right. Whatever. And I, I say that because there's light at the end of the tunnel for Megan Fox. Steven Spielberg actually talked to Michael Bay about how to film the movie, which that says something, right? Spielberg is a phenomenal director. Phenomenal. So sure, sure. his tips to Spielberg, his biggest tip to Spielberg was to record as much as you can live. This, record the stunts live. Use Limit your use of CGI. So makes it more realistic. And I think that was kind of done as best as could possible. Yeah, but you kind of got a CGI two-story robots. You just can't yeah. help that. So Yeah, and that's that's the tricky part because again, being that I'm I'm more of a horror movie aficionado, when it comes to CG, it's sort of like no, it's, it's bad. Never always use practical effects. But when you're talking about you know, two hundred foot robot. What are you <laughs> supposed to do? I mean, uh, outside of putting a guy in a rubber suit and looking like a Power Rangers episode, which I love, I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying, for a Hollywood yeah. blockbuster summer picture, you got to do what you got to do. It's the only way to make it. All right, so I'm going to round up. I'm going to round out the rest of these facts real quick. Then we're going to get the okay. good stuff. Okay, okay. So the United States Department of Defense provided authentic uniforms for all the actors. So they made sure the uniforms were spot on, which is awesome because I hate it when I see a chewed up uniform and it eats me alive. So another another underrated actor who played one of the military guys, Josh DeHamel. Yo, yeah. You pronounce it? Yeah. Drummle, Drummle. Yeah. Drum, Dumble? Dumble. I think it's Dumble. I watched him in, uh, I first I saw him, know. I first saw him act in the TV show Las Vegas. Oh, okay. And that, he was he, phenomenal. Yeah, he's good. I like him a lot. He, but I, because I remember he had a very small role, but I always like when he, when he pops up. I'm going to go to IMDB real quick. I'm going to see if he has any upcoming roles. So while, is while I'm doing married, that. He's huh? married to Fergie, right? Ah, we're about to find out. Pretty sure he's the he's the guy married to Fergie. To Fergie, yeah. I, I know he's in a new Netflix show called Jupiter's Legacy. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one about Zeus and they're like Greek gods mixed with superhero kind of thing. Does this say who he's married to? 
I don't know. We'll, 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 I'll, I'll have to look that up in a minute. No, no, you got to make sure I I know I'm up on my pop culture references. So I need to look <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, he has a lot of movies coming out with him in there. Okay, Love, okay. Victor, Batman, The Long Halloween Part 1, Batman, The Long Halloween Part 2, Shotgun Wedding, Blackout, and Bandit. And yes, he is married to Fergie. So He is married to Fergie. Let's Good see. Good for him. Uh, I heard that new Batman, The Long Halloween. I heard that's pretty cool. I heard that's pretty dark and pretty weird. So, Well, I'll tell you, this movie coming out called Bandit, uh, it's in post-production. Mel Gibson, Josh Duhamel, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I know, I don't know how to say it. Uh... Yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people in that. It's going to be pretty good. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. So, yeah, yeah Hasbro yeah. got their mitts into this as well. Do you remember the part when Ironhide crashes into Earth when lands in the swimming pool? Ooh, uh... If not, if not, go on YouTube, find it later. The little girl that walks to the pool is holding a My Little Pony, which is owned by <laughs> Hasbro. Uh-huh. When Bumblebee is fighting in one of his battles, he uses a truck as his shield. It says F-U-R-B-Y. Oh. Furby. Uh, also owned Furby. by Hasbro. You know you know where my brain went? My what? first thought was, what does R-B-Y stand for? And why is he telling him F-U? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so there's a sign reading Takara Sushi on one of the buildings. And the final uh-huh. battle scene, Takara was the toy company in Japan that owned the rights to Transformers until it was sold to Hasbro. Wow. Most of the cars destroyed in the film had no engines and no transmissions to make it easier to flip them around and throw them off the road. and Silly little stuff like that. Makes sense. Do you remember Maggie Madsen from the movie? Uh, no. <laughs> she played the hacker that, like, stole the, the thing from the movie and took it to, um, oh, what the hell is his name? He stars in almost every freaking DMX movie and Steven Seagal movie. Anthony Anderson. He takes it to Anthony Anderson. She is actually a uh, pacifist in real life and essentially was starring in a war-esque movie. See, Rachel Taylor. Yeah, she played the, ha- the hacker Maggie Madison. Hmm. I'm not familiar with her. I, I'm I'm looking at her IMDb page now. A few of these movies I do recognize. I know The Loft is supposed to be uh, a pretty cool thriller. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember her. I got some real quick, just top of the list stuff for us to talk about. And the last one is the one I'm saving the most time for. So I'm trying to go through these as quick as possible is because this one is going to open up a whole new dialogue for us to sit down and actually talk about over brewskis later on. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Transformers was originally conceived as a G.I. Joe adaptation. They were going to record G.I. Joe and that together. Uh, In the initial screenplay, the Transformers did not speak. They had no voice actors for the Transformers. So lines were weird. Oh, yeah. Michael Bay recycled footage several times throughout the different series. So for each individual movie, multiple stills were used. So like uh, Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, there's a scene with an armored truck driving down the road that uh, Decepticons are crashing into. And the original G.I. Joe, not just G.I. Joe, I'm sorry, the original Transformers, um, there's the same scene with the armored truck on the same road with Decepticons, just different ones, crashing into it. 
So he just rinses you know, and repeats. It, it's funny how how that stuff never changes. Because like I, I was going back and watching some of the old Universal monster movies, and at the end of I believe it's Ghost of Frankenstein, which yeah, is technically okay. the fourth Frankenstein film. Okay. It came out several years after the third Frankenstein, which is Son of Frankenstein, which is way better than it gets appreciated for. The monster is not actually in the film very much. He's only got like maybe eight or 12 minutes of screen time, something like that. And the last couple minutes is just the end of Son of Frankenstein, where he gets caught in the fiery lab explosion. And it's the exact same shots it's even a different actor playing the monster and they just reuse the shot that's been going on for hundreds oh, yeah. of years well so see this is what happened so most people don't know that shia shia Le, shia LaBeouf, whatever you say his name blue shia LaBeouf. he My actually happens to be a fan huh so he's all right yeah sure so he got in a bad car accident, right? Uh, he got hit. I think he got he got hit, and his hand was hanging out the window, and like mangled the Ooh. crap out of his hand. So they had to write his injury into the film. So that so way, this he could get a first one. No, this is in Revenge of the Fallen. Okay, okay. Megan Fox was cut from Dark of the Moon after making comments about Michael Bay's uh, uh, directing, which whatever everyone's entitled to their opinion. Production of Dark of the Moon was halted after an extra was badly injured on set. I don't remember the extra's name. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I do know that the person suffered permanent brain damage and partial paralysis from the accident. Probably had to do with a car because they were in film with a bunch of cars. I would go and say that. I do know that they had to they had to shell out some money. I don't remember the exact cost, but uh, the extra's family sued Paramount. And it was for like some ridiculous number. Dark of the Moon is filled with Star Trek references, which is another Michael Bay. Uh, I mean, it's not a Michael Bay property, but he redid the, yeah. the film. However, it wasn't from Michael Bay. It was from Ehan Kruger, who was one of the uh, writers okay, brought okay. on. So there were three writers total. I forget the other P2's name, but Kruger uh, was the only one left. The other two stepped away. So. He's a big Trekkie fan, so he just started sprinkling little Star Trek um, stuff in the movie, and it was okay. Well, so. I can uh, safely say I've I've uh, never seen the uh, the updated new uh, Star Trek films, so I don't know. This is a fun one I didn't know. The lowest rate it is the lowest rated blockbuster film franchise ever. So looking at this, um, I, and, and I love going to IMDb and seeing how, how films are rated and stuff like that. I, I did notice that the vast majority of the Transformers films, IMDb does a, a 1 to 10 rating scale. Uh, Most of them are below like 7. Yes. 7 is usually kind of like the, hey, these are pretty good. Um, the first one is a 7.0, and then they start dipping into the 6, 6.2, 6.3. But the last two, uh, Age of Extinction mm -hmm. and The Last Night, 5.6 and a 5.2. Okay, that's, so. That's bad. And in terms of grossing films, like how much money it makes, right? Uh -huh. Put it into perspective. Put a perspective. Harry Potter, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Star Wars, respectively between 84% and 80%. So between 80% and 84% for a film rating, right? Not bad. It's kind of respectable. Transformer comes in at 37%. Now, ooh, now, whoa, gets better. 
the Fast and the Furious franchise and the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise oh my God. barely edge it out at like 50 and 47% or something like that, respectively. That's oh, saying that. something. So what, what, what that basically means, ladies and gentlemen, what that basically means is film critics hate the movies, but audiences continue to go. That is what it means. It means after Fast and the Furious 2 or Too Fast, Too Furious, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the critics were like, seen it, done it, do something else. But all the audience is like, vroom, 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 take my cars. Let's go to the movie theaters and watch this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So anyways, so Transformers did not gross domestically well, but it did overseas. So that, that doesn't surprise me. That makes sense to me. So Dark of the Moon made 31% of its money back domestically. Overseas, okay. it made 70%. Age of Extinction made 22% domestically, 78% internationally. So so looking at the, the dates and the movie posters, I believe I've seen up through Dark of the Moon. I think I saw all three of those in the in the theater. And then Age of Extinction and The Last Night, I don't think I've ever seen them. Period. Theater or otherwise. I have not. So, now this is the thing we're, we're going to talk about. Because this next one's going to take a second. Hasbro, the company that owns G.I. Joe. What toys does Hasbro Oh, Oh, wow. That's quite the list. Oh, it is. All right, here we go. <laughs> and I, the reason why we have to know this is for this next topic. Okay. I'm not going to hit all of them, but we're probably going to hit some of them. Okay. Hasbro is trying to franchise and develop a cinematic universe based on their toy lines. Oh, boy. Okay. Here okay. We here we go. <laughs> Angry Birds owned by Hasbro. Now, I have not seen them, but I know they've already made two films out of Angry Birds, so it must be somewhat successful. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to pick only a couple of these that I know people know. Baby Alive is owned by Hasbro. Barney and Friends. Baby Alive. The little toy baby that you feed. Uh, Barney and Friends. Batman. Beauty and the Beast. Beyblade. Bob the Builder. Wait, wait, time out, time out. Could you imagine like a gritty, dark reimagining of Barney the Dinosaur? Slinging Beyblades. Yeah. Like with Bob the Builder. Like, yeah, like some kind of weird, like, <laughs> Jurassic Park style where Barney gets loose and just starts terrorizing people. I'm in. I'm good with that one. Furby. G.I. Joe. Well, all the G.I. Joes. Glowworm. Yeah. Tonka Trucks. I got to go through this list because they have some toy rights here that are kind of dabbling into the Marvel cinematic thing. So I'm trying to make sure, uh, believe it or not, Jurassic Park, all the Jurassic Parks and Jurassic World's toy toy lines are now owned by Hasbro. Could you imagine in the next Jurassic Park film, Chris Pratt rolling up into some like dino infrastructure and boom, Barney pops out, says, (laughs) you want to be my friend and just mauls him to death. I'm in. I'm in. Optimus Prime fighting a T-Rex. Yes. Yes. So pound puppies. Power Rangers, the Rubik's Cube, Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles. Could you imagine an Orange is the New Black style animated series of the Pound Puppies? (laughs) Like rated R, but still dogs. And they're like shiving each other and shit. I love it. I'm I'm cool with that one. Trolls. Hasbro owns the rights to trolls. At least the toy line. So 
the reason why we bring all this up is because if they create a cinematic universe with with their toy lines, I mean, Mask, the TV show Mask, which is kind of like Transformers, kind of not like Transformers. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, Silverhawks. Can you imagine trying to get these storylines and these crossovers right? You know, where does where, where do the pound puppies meet up with My Little Ponies and then go all the way over into G.I. Joe? I mean, now, yeah, see, that's that's tough because like with with like Universal and DC, like there might be other like planets and solar systems and stuff that these things interact in. But the difference between pound puppies <laughs> and transformers is a huge gap. It's not oh. like the difference between Captain Marvel and Star Lord. I mean, yeah. this is like a huge well, yeah, it all depends on how it's written and which ones they choose to incorporate. You know, there's going to be G.I. Joe and there's going to be Transformers because, you know, the military working with the Transformers, Transformers working with Sniper. There you go. Right. That's your crossover platform right there. It, those two entities actually kind of make sense. Yes, yeah, they, they do. I, I so, can see that one. But you could throw in their mask. You really could. Because they're people from Earth driving specialized vehicles that fight crime. Okay, I give you mask. I can give you that one. However, there are some of them like Cabbage Patch Kids. No, no. Um, Barney and Friends. Absolutely not. Yeah. While it would be humorous, no, that ain't gonna happen. But how do you lay that out? And who do you bring back? And that's why I'm saying there is hope in the future for Megan Fox. If they go through with this, if they decide... That they are going to do that. Oh, hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen. I just found out some some info here. Paramount and Hasbro plan to build a shared universe that will include G.I. Joe, the Micronauts, the Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light, Mast, the Mobile Armored Strike Command, and Rom the Space Knight. Rom the Space Knight. That is also Hasbro. Rom the Space Knight. Yes, it is. All right. Okay. I got to look that up because I don't remember that rom the space knight oh yeah. oh he's the he's silver a... dude he's the silver guy yeah, yeah. Well, apparently there's gonna be a movie anybody listening to this might not know that name but when you see him you'll be like oh yeah i know that guy <laughs> the plot to rom the space knight is under wraps when was the last time that was updated <laughs> this oh this film will be part of a shared universe with the snake eyes gi joe origin gi joe ever vigilant micronauts visionaries knights of the magical light and the mask mobile command movie <laughs> what? what what the hell here okay not to get off on an, a, a ridiculous tangent we're there <laughs> as much as i love what marvel did and during the pandemic sarah and i watched all of the marvel films in chronological order not the not the order they came out in but the yeah the yeah okay that is really cool it's really neat how they did that every single other studio and toy company and comic book company does not have to do the same thing just because Marvel did it and it worked doesn't mean it works every time. No, and because they need, they need to worry about making a good film and then try to tie it into the rest of their stuff. Because, again, 
being the horror movie guy, it pisses me off that they tried to do this with Universal Monsters, but they screwed up the mummy with Tom Cruise so bad. That that's on a different that 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 that's different podcast that that rant, I, know, I know that rant was on a different podcast. I know, but what I'm saying is <laughs> just because Hasbro owns the rights to 50 different kinds of toy lines doesn't mean that G.I. Joe and Rom the Space Knight have <laughs> to be in the same film together. Like, no, it they don't. have to do that. So what's going to determine the success, in my opinion, what's going to determine the success is how much thought and what writers they bring in and how much time they put to it. That is going to be the deciding factor. Think of it this way. John Fervoreau. I said his name wrong. I'm sure I said his name wrong. I That's okay. Say it right either. That's okay. When he started directing movies to me a lot of those movies are worth watching i don't like star wars okay i don't like the new star wars don't care about the new star wars i think they're garbage however when that series came out the mandalorian i enjoyed it why because while he did not direct every single episode you could feel his presence and touch on and guidance in every single one of those episodes it made it enjoyable yeah and now there's a new series coming out directed by him based off those the three stormtroopers, right? The three stormtroopers at the end of the first season of The Mandalorian? I think so. Really? I, 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 I Back to IMDB. I may have just given out bad info. <laughs> let me... Let. Here's the thing. It used to be sort of like this um, special event. When, when a film came out or when a new TV series dropped, it was this like special event. But... Because of all the streaming platforms, because of all the different media outlets today, I feel like there's this instant gratification thing where it's like there's no patience anymore. There's no if this was successful, then we have to throw this out there. And if that works, then we got to throw this out there. And so it does not shock me at all that The Mandalorian, which was a spinoff of a spinoff, would now get its own (laughs) spinoff. Okay. So, I was wrong, and I will be the first to admit that. It is called Rangers of the New Republic. There's no synopsis for it out yet, but judging by the poster for for, for Disney Plus here, it looks like it might incorporate uh, two photos, two videos. Anyways, I I don't know. (laughs) But it it is directed by that John Fervoreau guy. Yeah, I'm just going to keep butchering his name until I eventually get it right. Yeah, I don't know either. But I I think that that Disney Plus is trying to kind of like dagger the releases of Marvel and Star Wars properties for maximum viewership and maximum profit. So I would imagine that the next Star Wars piece Uh will come out once like the whole Loki series the new uh, Black Widow film, like uh, once those things kind of start to dwindle down, Mm -hmm. then they're going to hit you with the bam, the new Star Wars property. Probably. And and, and that's okay. So, and and as a fan of these things, like I like having more uh, stuff to, to, to indulge in and more stuff to consume. But also it's like the more you get, (laughs) <laughs> it, you, you can't expect it to constantly be like perfect it can't yeah. always be what you want it to be <laughs> so 
my last thing before we close out for the night, my last thing, because we're talking about John Furvero, and you know where I remember him from. What, what movie I remember seeing him in. And then if you look at a then and now picture, you'll be like, holy crap. Oh, what was that movie? Um, Keanu Reeves. Gene Hackman? The Speed, is it? No. Uh, Devil's Advocate? Nope. I give up. The Replacements. Ooh, yeah. Okay. He played right. the he played the police officer Bate, Jason Bate, Bateman. Bateman was his name, I think. So but long since I've seen that. It's great because he's like he's built in that movie. He's got like no fat. He's got definition, and then you see him in like Iron Man, and you're like, "Holy crap!" He let himself go. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. That is T for Transformers. We kind of got off on a little tangent there, but that's all right. Um, what we do. Do you have any closing guidance, thoughts, or anything? No. All righty. Well, <laughs> that, my friends, is G. So, thank you. On behalf of everyone at Dangers and Sarge, myself, Danger, G, everyone that supports us, I want to thank you and tune in next week where we do the letter U. Later, everybody. <laughs>